Welcome back and welcome to the bonus episode of Me and My Friend Pete, where we dig into the high society long boxes and pull comic stories for the ages from all across the multiverse of comic books. This week, we're running through Joker's Asylum 2, Harley Quinn, the most important day of the year. A tale that features DC's greatest villainous sidekick turned sometimes anti-hero, but all-time badass, New York's very own, Coney Island's very own, Harleen Francis Quinzel, the clown queen of crime. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn first appeared in the Batman the Animated Series episode, Joker's Favor, on September 11th, 1992, and made her first DC Comics Universe appearance out of canon in The Batman Adventures number 12 in September of 1993, out of canon being not officially the DC Universe. She made her first quote-unquote real appearance in comics in Batman Harley Quinn number 1 in October of 1999. She's 5 foot 7 inches tall and 140 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. It was quite a road to becoming the third most popular character in a world of super bad and wonder people, but Harley Quinn's from Coney Island. You gotta know she's got that warrior spirit. Harley Quinn was created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm for the Emmy Award winning Batman the Animated Series cartoon as comic relief for the Joker with many of her traits and mannerisms being inspired by Paul Dini's friend Arlene Sorkin who voiced Harley Quinn in Batman the Animated Series. But before she was Harley Quinn, she was Harleen Quinzel, a young and impressionable psychiatrist working at Arkham Asylum, where she was tasked with the, in my opinion, impossible job of mending the clown prince of crimes, mind. The Joker broke hers instead. Telling tales of an abusive childhood that drove him insane, he manipulated Harleen Quinzel's emotions, and she fell madly in love with him, and the things Harley did for love, like breaking her new boat out of prison and being rewarded for this loyalty by falling again for him, into a vat of chemicals, similar to those that transformed the Joker into the Joker. What's worse? Joker pushed her. Her skin became bleach white and she was driven insane. She then entered a physically and psychologically abusive relationship with the Joker that persisted for many years until Harley Quinn left the Clown Prince of Crime, breaking the cycle of violence and entered a much healthier and loving relationship with her best friend, Poison Ivy. Redheads. Always winning. But Harley's much more than eye candy and much more than just a girl on your arm. Her skills and abilities? She's got a couple. Harley Quinn is a skilled gymnast and peak athlete, having earned a scholarship to Gotham State University in her youth. She's a solid hand-to-hand -hand combatant, which comes in handy when facing off against the Batman's family of hands teams. She's way past the depth with multiple firearms and ballistic weapons, from handguns to grenade launchers, and just as adept using gag weapons from a bag of tricks that makes Green Goblins look downright tame. From pop guns, rubber chickens, and baseball bats, to bazookas, dynamite, and machine guns. And you probably never want to fight her on her home turf because Bud and Lou, her pet hyenas, don't take kindly to strangers. And many people don't know, but Harley actually has a few different superpowers thanks to a serum poison ivy concocted, giving her enhanced strength, agility, durability, reflexes, and the ability to breathe underwater. Outside of the bag of tricks and being a peak physical human specimen, Harley Quinn is highly intelligent, her book learning making her adept in psychoanalysis, criminology, and forensic psychiatry, and her street learning making her a master tactician, escapologist, and deceiver. Two people know how to create Joker's Venom Serum on Earth, and she's one of them. There is also a statement here on the good old interwebs that unlike the Joker, Harley can simulate sanity, whatever that means. And Harley Quinn's impact on pop culture can't be understated. Harley, because of her amazing stories and personal histories from her introduction in the DC Universe, has become a mainstay on DC's highest selling titles list. And only she, Superman and Batman, have four or more comic titles released monthly. 
Her Halloween costume is routinely a bestseller, and DC knows how their bread is buttered. They've dubbed February Harley Quinn Month. Not bad for a Jewish girl from Coney Island, eh? But we've got the player. Here's the play. The credits on this one. We've got James Patrick writing. We've got Joe Quinones as the artist. We've got Alex Sinclair on colors. We've got Patrick Brousseau as the letterer. Janelle Siegel as the assistant editor. Mike Martz as the editor. Claudio Castellini on the cover. And as always, a reminder that Batman was created by Bob Kane and also Bill Finger. And that Harley Quinn was created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. I love the cover of this issue. On the cover of this issue, we see Harley Quinn in her classic red and black skin-tight costume, full length, with her jester's hat covering her head and neck. It is a gorgeous image, and we're looking up at her as if she has her foot on our chest and we're laying on the floor. I gotta say, it wouldn't be a bad position for me to be in until I see the giant smoking pistol in her hand. She has her right hand on her hip, her left hand aimed at me with this pistol. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous page. In the background, there is a staircase, and I just noticed that on the wall in shadow is the Batman's head. She is standing on the chest of the bat. This is a gorgeous and beautiful cover. Claudio Castellini is working right now. Let's get into it. Page one opens to the Joker sitting in a red high back leather chair. He's wearing a long flowing purple robe with pink trim on the cuffs and collar. He has a little red rose on his lapel. He's wearing a yellow shirt with a blue tie, a bow tie with a matching blue vest, purple pants, white socks, and pink house slippers. On his lap is a cute little dog. It looks like a Labrador. And in the Joker's hand is a glass of wine. He is stroking the dog with his left hand, twirling his glass of wine with his right. He welcomes us back to another untold tale from the asylum. He says this one is special because it's his girl pal and sometimes girlfriend, Harley Quinn. Before telling us, and just for the record, ladies, this dashing bachelor is single at the moment. Stay that way, you friggin' creep. He says before we get started, we're probably wondering why he's holding this puppy. And he said he'll tell us after the story ends. He says, so sit back, put on your reading glasses, and he'll see us soon. In the final panel, he lifts the puppy up above his head, staring at it. The puppy, cute as a button, sticks out its little tongue, and the Joker says, you're an ugly little mutt. Joker's gonna kill this puppy. Page two opens and we get a great panel of a pair of legs running and under the legs we see the tap, 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 tap written. It's great art. I love it. The lines in this comic book, before we even get into it, are so clean and so crisp. I love looking at it. I forgot how much I enjoyed reading this comic book because it was a one shot and it definitely makes me want to go back and find more art from Joe Quinones because this is a beautifully drawn issue. So we see the legs. They're running down on the linoleum floor. In the next panel, a giant panel, we see a blonde woman in orange hospital gear and she has just slid on the linoleum floor under a door that is slamming closed. We see three orderlies standing around. One of them's holding a clipboard. They're all wearing white. They all have on tennis shoes. We see none of their faces. And one of them screams, there she is. The young lady hops up off the floor in the next panel. We see she has blonde hair and two pigtails. She kicks one of them with her left foot clotheslines the other with her right arm as the third orderly screams grab her the dude getting clothesline screams i'm trying and in the final panel he's failed because we see they are all laid out on the linoleum floor one of them asks where she go the other face down says she has to be in the yard they'll get her there i don't think they're going to get her there we move on to page three and now we see a security guard on a rampart he has a rifle in his hand 
It's a pop gun. I think it's a tranquilizer gun. And he is shooting at her as she books it full speed into the darkness towards the front gate. Her agility on, I say 7 out of 10. I like it. She leaps the gates of Arkham Asylum. No problem. As two more orderlies give chase. One of them screaming, she's out. The other screaming, get the dogs. And in the next panel, they get the dogs. Two German shepherds, and they are chasing her. A doctor has a flashlight on her. The dogs are barking. They're chasing her down a forest lane. And in the final panel, she skids to a stop on a craggy cliff. Arkham River beneath her. As someone screams, Harley, stop. And page four opens, and we finally see Harley Quinn's face. We have not seen her face the whole time she has been being pursued. And now she spins around and her eyes are crazed. She says, hi, Dr. Arkham. Hi, nice orderlies. Well, except for you, Bob, you get a little too gropey during the strip searches. And she waves at them with her back to Arkham River. And that's one thing I love about Harley Quinn. Even though she's been labeled insane and things like that, she has these moments of intense clarity where she calls men out on their bullshit, especially with things like being a little too gropey. I have heard horror stories from women about certain situations where they have been forced to be patted down and things like that, where men are out of line with how they go about it. Back to Dr. Arkham reaches out his hand to her in the next panel. He says he doesn't understand why she's doing this. She's been a model patient and she's up for release in three weeks. So why, why do this? And Harley, both fists under her chin, a look of fear on her face says, you don't know? You don't know what today is? And Dr. Arkham, now we get a close-up on his face. He's got a black bowl haircut. He's wearing square-rimmed glasses. His face is gone and lean. He has on a lab coat and blue tie. He runs his hands through his hair and he says, Oh my God, I forgot. And Harley turns her back on him, staring up at the sky. She says, I never forget. She says it's the most wonderful day of the year, her favorite day of the year. And in the final panel, there's a beautiful panel with Arkham Asylum looming in the background. Harley is crouched on the edge of this cliff. But inside of this panel, we get a circle pit with just Harley's head. The art here is amazing. Her right eye is slightly bigger than her left. Her lips are in a snarl and she has lost it. And she says, and it's also the one day where I will not be away from Mr. J. We're nothing, not these walls, not any guards, and not even you will not stop me from seeing him. Dr. Arkham raises a hand as she crouches on the cliff, smiling once more. He screams her name. And she says no more talking. She says she baked him some cookies and she left him a card. But since he's here, she might as well say it in person. Goodbye, Dr. Arkham. And I love this page. Her facial expressions on this page move from cheery to fear to hopeful to rage and back to cheery. This is amazing, amazing art. Back to she leaps from the cliff in another gorgeous panel with these beautifully tight, straight lines, her blonde hair flowing behind her, the wind whipping through her orange clothes, her eyes closed, a giant smile on her face as she screamed, and happy Valentine's Day. So now we know the most important day of the year is Valentine's Day to Harley Quinn, and she will not be away from her beau, the Joker. On page six, Harley kicks open a wooden door, and standing in a puddle next to a garbage bin filled with red, white, and blue floaties and a life vest, she screams, Light the candles and bring out the rose petals. I'm home, baby, and the rest of the night is ours. Harley is excited. We move on to the next panel, and she's staring in at the YMCA. The banners are falling off of the walls. The lockers are broken. There's a door busted in at the far end of the room. A television sitting on a cardboard box that's smashed. There's a pool in the middle of the floor. It's empty of water, and there are no less 
then five dead bodies. One guy is sitting under a banner of the YMCA at the far end of the room. One guy's body is dead and slumped over the edge of the pool. Another guy is in the classic homicide victim pose inside of the pool at six feet. Another guy is topless and dead next to the lockers. And there's a black guy dead at Harley's feet. Harley stares at this a moment. The camera shifts back to her. We get a great look of surprise and a little bit of fear on Harley's face as she asks, Puddin? And somebody says from off panel, he's gone, Harley. We move on to page seven and we see a dude that Harley calls Spider standing in the doorframe holding his waist as he bleeds out. He's wearing an AT shirt and blue jeans. He has a gold chain on his neck and no less than three tattoos all having to deal with spiders. There's a tattoo of webbing on his left arm, a tattoo of webbing on his right arm, above a giant tattoo of a spider. He has a goatee, he has a bald head, he has tan skin. And Harley asks, what do you mean he's gone? And Spider says, it was Falcone's guys. They came out of nowhere, broke in, started shooting up the place, put a bag over Joker's head, and then took him. And Harley is pissed. She turns, her shoulders hunched, both fists shaking. She says, Falcone decided to do this today? Spider says, I know you're upset, staring down at the floor. And Harley is on him in a heartbeat. She pokes him on the nose. She boops him on the nose, actually. Excuse me. She boops Spider on the nose. And she says, she's not upset. How could anyone be upset on a day like this? That things have just been postponed. She asks Spider if her stuff is still here. And Spider says, yeah, but I can do you even better than that. And we get a close-up of Spider, smiling so wide his eyes are closed. And he says, you know, yeah, your gear is still here but I can do you even better than that. We turn the page and we're on page eight. Just in time for Harley to walk into the armory of the YMCA. There are bazookas on the wall, AK-47s, assault rifles, strings of bullets. There is a grenade launcher on this wall. There are grenades. There's a Smith & Wesson next to the largest bullet I have ever seen. And Harley says what I'm thinking. Whoa, where did the new litter of kittens come from? She calls these things kittens. In the next panel, Harley is holding an MK7 with bump stock, grip, and tactical scope. As Spider lets her know that Joker's been running guns for the last couple of months because it helps him pay for the other things that Joker likes to get into. Those flowers on your lapel that burns people's faces off isn't cheap. Joker's gotta make the donuts and dimes somehow. And Harley holding the MK7 asks how it looks on her before striking a pose. Spider says it's her color. And Harley, staring over her shoulder, still gripping the MK7, tells Spider that she needs another favor from him. And Spider's like, yeah, I got you, mercenaries. And Harley's like, no, chocolates, a box of assorted, 10 turtles, six almond, and four lemon ganache. They're Mr. J's favorite. Oh, and Spider, you never did mention why Falcone took him. So Harley wants to know why Falcone took him. This is a gorgeous final panel. If Falcone is a mob boss in Gotham City, no powers, no crazy, at least not more crazy than your standard organized crime guy. If anybody's aware of Two-Face's origin, Falcone is usually written as the person responsible for turning Harvey Dent, the district attorney, into Two-Face. So Harley wants to know why the Joker was snatched up. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous panel. I'm not a fan of gun culture, but Quinones is working right now. Sheesh. We turn to page nine and we see why the Joker was snatched up. Falcone is standing on a stage, a bodyguard at the exit door, people sitting in the front row, all suited. Falcone's wearing a black tuxedo, a black tie, and a gray vest. He has white hair. He's an older gentleman, maybe in his 50s, early 60s, 
and he has on a black bow tie. This is a formal event. Beside his podium, on a table, is a glass bowl filled with colorful balls. And Falcone screams, Good evening, and welcome to the raffle. This man is gonna raffle the Joker. The next panel, the camera shifts to the crowd, and the crowd reaction shot is the sternest I've ever seen. We've got a guy sitting in the front row with a Joker smile carved into his lips horizontally. A guy behind him in a blue blazer, red tie. He has scars on his left cheek and right forehead. He's wearing glasses, he has a stoic expression. Behind him, another guy with scars on his face. Behind him, a Look, let me just be simple. The Joker has carved all of these people up. And why are they here? You're all here because the Joker in one way or another has affected you, cost you money, embarrassed you, or hurt you. You're here because tonight I offer you the chance to get even, to buy one of these little balls, each at the cost of $100,000. So all of these people have money to burn and all oh, do they want to burn the Joker alive. Falcone picks up a ball. It's a red ball with the number seven on it. And Falcone says, if your ball is selected, you receive the Joker wrapped in a bow to do with what you will. Shoot him in the head, stuff him in your lobby, make him your pool boy. It's up to you. Who wants in? Falcone is leaving out the part where the Joker is the master escape artist. You're not just going to get the Joker and keep him. The fact that he's here right now makes me believe that he wants to be. But that's not the point. If the Joker is bought by any of these people, that's the end of their lives. I don't understand why they won't just let it go. Some things, you gotta let it go. If you're in the DC universe, if you're in Gotham City, and the Joker lets you live, you better take that one and run. You're not built for the type of insanity he will rain down on you. So Falcone asks who wants in, and every hand in the room gets raised. But the hand that we're focused on is the hand in a red glove with a black sleeve, and it's none other than Harley Quinn's. She is suited and booted in her jester's outfit as she screams, me, me, me. Page 10 opens and the room has cleared in seconds as Harley suited and booted, her hands behind her head, her feet on the chairs in front of her, closes her eyes as every security guard in the room, no less than four that we can see, pull out pistols and aim them on her. In the next panel, Falcone, slightly sneering, says, if I knew you were coming, Harley Quinn, I'd have gotten some Kool-Aid and coloring books, calling her infantile, essentially. And Harley, she raises a red gloved hand. She says, I'm rubber, your glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and makes a six-inch diameter exit wound in you. She's different. She turns her back on Falcone in the next panel as he goes on a tirade. God, I hate you. Hate all of you costume types. From the first time I saw one of you, I'll never forget. And Harley cuts him off. She says, blah, 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 moving her left hand in the talky, talky, talky pose. And she says, exposition, exposition. Just hand over Joker, please. I didn't come to talk to you, my brother. I didn't come to hear you rant. I came to get the Joker. Give me the Joker. And Falcone, half sneering, half smiling, says, and what are you going to do if I say no? Hit me over the head with a giant. Holly shoots this man in his right shoulder so fast. She's not going to hit you with a giant mallet, friend. He grimaces, blood flies. He goes down. Just give her the Joker. Page 11 opens to Dr. Harleen Quinzel getting surgical. She leaps forward in the first panel, handstands on a folding chair, flips over it, all the while aiming and shooting at all of Falcone's henchmen. She would make the amazing Spider-Man proud right now with this agility. It is B-E-A beautiful. She shot one guy so hard, he's drooling from his mouth as he... <laughs> 
shot one guy so hard he is drooling from his mouth as he keels over. In the next panel, she rolls a grenade and she says, don't forget the cherry on top. She sticks her fingers in her ears, the grenade explodes, and we see three henchmen go flying under a loud boom. Before the smoke has settled, she is standing on top of Falcone. He is staring around at the devastation and he cannot believe it. Harley, digging her finger in her ear to get the ringing out, says, now where is he? And Falcone says he's hidden. And Harley says, yeah, say the first part again, you know, my ears are still ringing. And Falcone says he's not here and Harley shoots him again, this time in the knee. Should've just gave her what she wanted, friend. She probably would've still shot you anyway for making her go through the hassle, but hey man, that's Harley Quinn, that's what you gotta deal with. There's no honor amongst thieves here. It's Valentine's Day and you took her boo. You lucky you're alive. Page 12 opens to Falcone on the floor, looking up at Harley Quinn, asking her what's gotten into her. And Harley, pointing at him and crouching down to talk to him, says, I'm feeling extra romantic and extra violent. And she says, you're gonna tell me what I wanna hear. Falcone knows what she wants to hear. He says that Joker's in an abandoned warehouse on the corner of 3rd and Bryson. He says it's only three blocks away. He says she can be there in 10 minutes and begs her not to kill him. And Harley taps the tip of her Smith & Wesson on her cheek. And she says, okay, I won't kill you if you do something for me. And Falcone says, anything. And of course he goes into straight villain mode. He asks if she needs a hit put out on someone. He asks if she needs some new henchmen. And Harley says, no, I need wine, Chardonnay. Have it delivered to the address where you killed all those people. So basically, have some wine sent to the Y. Then I'll let you live. In the final panel, the room on fire, Harley breaking towards the back door in a comfortable stroll. I shouldn't say breaking, she walks to the back door comfortably. Falcone still on the floor says done. And Harley says he's lucky. She says there's still eight hours left until tomorrow. She says she's gonna go get jokey. I guess that's what she calls the Joker. She says if Falcone knows what's good for him, she won't run into any more complications. Or she's gonna be back and finish the job. In less than five minutes, turn this whole thing into a war zone. Harley Quinn working right now. And Lucky Page 13 opens to an unlucky situation for Harley Quinn. We get a view between her legs, her revolver at her side, a green duffel bag in her left hand, and she says, oh, as we see no less than five GCPD police cars, two SWAT cars, and seven police officers all hiding behind their cars aiming at her, two SWAT guys on the roof of their SWAT vans, and none other than Harvey Bullock, Commissioner Gordon's second in command. In the next panel, the final panel, this is a quick page. He's holding his police walkie-talkie from his radio in his hand, and he says, as all dirty cops do, without giving her a chance to surrender or anything, soften her up. That's what he says before he gives her any directive to put the gun down, put the bag down. He says to soften her up. Art imitating life right here on page 13. And we see what Bullock meant when he said soften her up on page 14. That translates to put as many holes in her as you possibly can. Harley dives back into the auction warehouse as every police officer opens fire. They are shooting holes through the walls. Harley covers her ears and gets small. She screams, la 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 la. I can't hear you. Bullock screams, hold fire, hold fire. And then a police officer with a megaphone. He screams, Harley Quinn, you are a fugitive. Surrender and you won't get hurt. You just unloaded at least nine guns on her and you're talking about surrender and you won't get hurt? Comic books aside, would anybody surrender if the first thing you approach with is aggression? Now enter comic books into the mix. If the aggression is everyone opening up shop with their pistols, their automatic rifles, surrender is the option. She's dangerous, I understand. But you signed up to be a police officer and sometimes that's a dangerous profession. Leading with cowardice, shooting first and asking questions last is not what the good guys are supposed to do. 
And that's literally what we watched them do. Back to. So this police officer tells Harley to surrender and she won't get hurt. And Harley pokes her head out of the door. She says, no, Mr. Megaphone Man, with all your intimidating law enforcement vehicles, you surrender and you won't get hurt. Bullock, smiling in the last panel, asks if she's kidding as he holds his car door. The police officer with the megaphone says, what's she going to do, throw some playing cards at us? We turn the page and Harley comes out shooting. She has a grenade launcher in her hand. We get a great foom and see a trail of smoke as Harley puts her right hand to her face and yells, four, before blowing up every police car, sending Bullock and the dude with the megaphone booking it. But every other cop has to be collateral damage. What's that old saying? Violence begets violence. I love the look of pure terror on Bullock's face here as he turns and runs. What you gonna do, huh? Keep underestimating them. You and Falcone, that's two already. And every death is on your hands, Bullock. You were the lead officer in control of that situation, and you led that way, and that's the result you got. We turn the page, and we're back at the YMCA, and my man Spider has a Motorola Razor. It's sitting on the edge of the table, and it's ringing. It says Harley on its face. He picks up. She says Spider. Spider is sitting at a table with his torso wrapped in a green chair. And at this table, there are two long stem candles. There's a long stem rose. There are two glasses. There's a bottle of wine and a box of chocolates. And Spider asks, how's it going over there? And we see Harley is in a high speed chase running from the law. She is in a squad car, no sirens on. But behind her, above her, a whirly bird has a spotlight on her. Behind her, ground level, no less than eight police cars. Their sirens blaring. She is hauling tail. She told Spider it's going pretty good. <laughs> she asks if you get the chocolates. So Harley is never phased. This is all in a day's work to her. And Spider says, yeah, 10 turtles, six almond, but they didn't have the lemon ganache, so I substituted four cherries instead. And Harley snaps. No, no, no. He hates the cherries. You have to find a place that has lemon ganache. And Spider says, all right, but I'm losing a lot of blood in. And Harley screams into the phone, lemon ganache. And Spider's like, fuck it. What's a little death between friends? He says, okay, okay. But Harley, you realize how late it's getting, right? And Harley is scowling. Her hands are not even at 10 and 2. They are more like 11 and 1. And she is driving and she says, yes, Spider. I know. Page 17 opens to a dilapidated warehouse. And of course, this is the warehouse that Falcone sent Harley to. And we get a caption box and somebody's asking, you see anything yet, Joey? We move into the warehouse and we have a balding guy with a car Winslow. And he's staring out of a boarded up window through binoculars. And he says, nope. There's another guy in the room. He has a pompadour hairstyle. He's got on a blue blazer. He's got his hands in his pockets. He's got gray pants on and a black tie. Another guy in an AT shirt. He's wearing glasses. He's sitting down at a table where cards are being played. We have a third guy, all we can see is his stomach as he's clutching a beer. So these guys are playing cards and they're all waiting for Harley to come. And the guy sitting down in the AT shirt asks, are they sure it's Harley Quinn? The balding guy at the window says, that's what I heard. And the guy underestimates her as every man has done already in this issue. He says, I don't believe it. Maybe she's teamed up with Bane and nobody saw him. Or maybe that dead man guy took over her body. That happened to my cousin Travis. None of these men put respect on Harley's name and they keep suffering for it. This guy thinks that dead man, dead man is a hero, but he thinks that dead man possessed Harley Quinn and that's how she's able to be as skilled and ruthless as she is. This man thinks that Bane, seven feet tall, almost 400 pounds of pure muscle was helping her and nobody saw him. This is the idiocy that people come up with to deny your skills. 
Look at the cognitive dissonance in place. Sometimes things are exactly what they are. You don't have to trick your brain into seeing it some other way. Sometimes a person is as dangerous as they say they are. Sometimes a situation is as dangerous as it looks. Don't fight against what's happening because it turns out bad for you. The guy at the window in the binocular says, I heard it's just her in a police car. The guy in the AT shirt says he still doesn't believe it. Well, he'll believe it now because in the next panel, the car comes crashing through the window, smashing into the guy who didn't believe it at the car table. Cars are flying, beer is flying, the left front wheel of the car is off of its axle, it's flying, it is a gorgeous panel. Put some respect on Harley's name. Next page. And Harley opens page 18, shooting. She swings the door of the car open and she lets four shots go immediately. She hits the tall guy who was standing with the pompadour hairstyle. He's dead. But in the next panel, Harley tries to let the last two go. She gets hit with the doctor no. The guy who was standing at the boarded up window with the binoculars, he puts his hands on his hips in a power pose. He's got the upper hand now. Harley's got no weapons. He says, well, well, it is Harley Quinn, but you ain't yourself today, are you? Ain't playing by the rules. And Harley approaches him. She says, the rules? I got a rule, a new one. And if you live through this, you're going to tell everyone about it. Nobody touches Joker on Valentine's Day. Nobody except me. And the guy... Oh man, still no respect on Harley's name. He says, and what's gonna happen if I do? You gonna spray me with acid out of a flower? And in the final panel, Harley says, finally, somebody got it right. She pulls a flower and sprays him in the face with acid. I love this, oh man. Page 19 opens with Harley kicking down the door of the room Joker is supposed to be held in. We get a great panel of her face in shadow, her left leg out. As she screams, Jokey, I'm here. It's me, baby. The next panel, the chair's empty. We've got three dead bodies laying around it. Harley stares at the scene. She says no. She falls to the floor on her hands and knees, and she pounds at the floor, her costume ripped on her leg, on her shoulder. She's been through it all. She has dished it out all night to get to this point, and the Joker is gone. She has no time left on Valentine's Day. She has no idea where the Joker is gone. The time is running out on Valentine's Day and she snaps. She says, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies. What do I have to do? Where do I have to go? Where are you? And someone off panel says, I have him. In the final panel, we're behind Harley as she sits up on the floor and we see the Batman cast in shadow, stepping forward from behind a crate inside of the warehouse room. And y'all know I love when I get a chance to do my Batman. So I'm just gonna read all of this dialogue. My Harley Quinn, is it's really rough on my voice because I can't really do her. I can't do it right and I don't want it to sound like I'm mocking her. I have great respect for Harley Quinn, if you can't tell. I love a person who's constantly underestimated rising to the challenge. But Harley, her fist clenched, she gets up off the floor. Harley ain't soft, she ain't no punk. She says, fine, I'll beat you too. And the Batman, the Batman replies, I don't doubt that today. That's why I'm not going to fight. The only person to put respect on her name. Judge a person by their enemies. If a person's enemy is putting respect on their name, you probably should too. And that's what the Batman is doing right now. He said, today? I'm not crossing Harley Quinn today. And Harley comes right up to him. She says, this is one of your tricks. She jabs at him with her finger. Batman, his chin up, trying to stay poised, trying to rise above her, egging him on. He says, they called me to capture you after... You escaped. 
I've been one step behind and I've seen all the damage you've done. At some point I realized it would be easier to get him than it was to get you. And Harley says, so where is he? And Batman did it genius. Batman's already broken, got the Joker out. He says, Arkham in a nice quiet cell next to your old one. They even had candles and a dinner brought in. It's all waiting for you, Harley. All you have to do is turn yourself in. And Harley looks at him, one of the bells missing off of her jester hat, her hands on her hips, wondering if she can trust the Batman or not, realizing she has nothing left to lose. She puts her hands out in front of her and she says, how about that? I'm going right back where I was. No fight, no fuss, no muss. All she wanted was her time with her boot thing. Batman's gonna give it to her. He puts the cuffs on. Page 21 opens to a panel shaped in a giant heart. And we see Batman, and we see the legs of Batman stage left. The legs of Dr. Arkham stage right. In the center, Harley is in a straight jacket. Her eyes closed, her head back, being pushed on a gurney by an orderly. There is a contented look on her face. In the next panel, the panel work on this page is amazing. Let's say that first. Quinones. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with Quinones. So the next panel, we see the Joker in an orange jumpsuit. He waves at Harley with his left hand. He says, hello, Harley. And Harley has the most crazed expression we've seen all issue on her face. Her smile is wide, her eyes too. And she says, Puddin, I knew it. I knew I'd get to see you. This is going to be the most perfect day ever. And of course, of course, the Joker, as unappreciative as they come, he says, where's my present? With a look like, you wasting time, chick. It's Valentine's Day and you didn't bring me nothing. This man doesn't know what this woman went through for him. She tore Gotham upside down for the clown prince of crime. But then, that's why you're the clown prince of crime and that's why she's the clown queen. In the final panel, an orderly slams the door on them both as Batman, a slight smile on his lips, says, You can remove the restraints tomorrow. She should be back to normal by then. To Dr. Arkham. And Dr. Arkham says, Thanks, and Happy Valentine's Day. And Batman says, Happy Valentine's Day. On 22, we're back with the Joker. He's sitting on his red high back leather chair. And he says, so there you have it. A romantic little tale of explosions, eviscerations, and decapitations. And all courtesy of my favorite little pistol. Did you enjoy it? I gotta say I did, Joker. And the Joker, he looks at us. He says, I honestly don't care either way. Well, screw you too, Joker, but I did enjoy it. The next panel, we see that cute little dog that I thought was gonna get done off with a raven in its mouth and blood covering its maws. It's a close-up on the dog, and all around the dog we have balloons as the Joker keeps speaking. Oh, and before we go, I promised I'd tell you why I had the puppy. It was simply so I could make the point that even the most adorable things can be dangerous sometimes. So that's all. See you next time. He lifts the dog above his head once more, smiling this time, and he says, and as for you, you're pretty cute. I think I'll keep you. And we're out. I love this story for the simple, simple fact that Harley was constantly underestimated by all of these men. If you notice, there were no women in this issue except for Harley Quinn. And that underestimation of her, I think, is a great allegory of the real world where women are constantly thought to be inferior to men or not as strong as men or not as willing as men to go the extra mile to accomplish their goals. Harley tore this city up. I remember reading this story the first time I read it and loving it. I loved reading it again today with you. 
Thank you so much, so much for listening. I had a wonderful time, and I hope you did too. I think I have more comics featuring Harley Quinn, but I don't think I have many with her as the sole focus. But I can understand why she has grown to be such a symbol of empowerment to women. I hope we get to see her again. And I want to say, as always, thank you so much for being a patron. Thank you so much more for listening. It's because of you I get to do this, and I never take that for granted. Please like, please comment, please share. What was your favorite part of the issue? Mine? You gotta know, it's FTP on this side all day, so when she let that grenade launcher go, muta bene. Please take care. Please think of the world and be true to yourself. And remember, with great power, you know you know the rest. Make sure you're being responsible. I'm out of here.